Hello, Insiders, and a very pleasant good afternoon to you wherever you may be. This is your host, Bruce Ash, along with Inside Track co-host. Deb Wilkinson. And even David Layton's joining us. Coming, Hi, David. <laughs> coming to you live from the luxurious hey, Essential Pest Control Studios located here in the KVOI Broadcast Complex in Tucson, Arizona. It's a great Arizona winter day, welcoming you to a special Cure for Homeless edition of Inside Track. Producer Tom also joins us running the board and taking your calls. We invite your questions or comments for our guests here at 520-790-2040, which are relevant to the topic. Eb? Hey, Bruce and I want to remind you to please support our great sponsors, Tucson Iron and Metals Retail, 2091576. Loads and loads of great steel products at low, low prices for your home, office, or ranch. Drop by the yard. Corazon Cabinets, 488-2266. Call Joy or Alley for luxurious cabinets for your kitchen and bath areas at a price you will love. And, of course, Eric Rudin at Essential Pest, 886-3029. Bruce called Essential for his winter weed pre-treatment. Tammy and I have that coming up here shortly as well. Bruce? I haven't seen a weed since last summer, and, and I got lots and lots of area. I bought about an uh, acre and a half, not one weed. You've got anywhere. a huge property. It's, it's yeah. A weedless, huge a property. We, a weedless app. Yeah. Also supporting Inside Track is the aforementioned Mr. Wilkinson. I'm upgrading from Eb Wilkinson to <laughs> Mr. Wilkinson from Wilkinson Wealth Management. Eb is dedicated to help you retire comfortably and remain comfortably retired. Call Eb at 777-1911. Eb has done a great job for my sister, who celebrates her birthday in two days. No, Jackie, I'm not ratting you out that you're turning 70 years old. I Mr. am. Mr. Wilkinson and I support all of our lo- great locally-owned, family-run businesses who we support the show. You should support them also. Hey, uh, for the next several minutes, Greg Errors from Gap Ministries joins us to talk about big doings at the new Campus of Hope north of Prince, right by I-10. Thanks for joining us, Greg. Hey, uh, pleasure being on with you. Hey, you so guys are amazing. how's that new Campus of Hope coming together? Well, you know, uh, people that have a lot of vision, things go slower than you want them to. And so it's kind of that for me. It's uh, for those that uh, saw it its beginning stages and see it today, say, wow, you guys come, have come so long. This place was a destitute piece of property. But uh, my eyes see so much more yet that needs to happen. So it's just been a great journey. And, and we're really excited about our new place. And never as fast as you want it to be. Never as fast, no. It's always a little bit slower than you think it's going to take and a lot more effort than you think it's going to be. I guess if we knew how hard things were, we probably wouldn't step into them. And that's and how we ended up with work. kids. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's get some business out of the way. We're coming into tax credit season. How do our listeners support GAP Ministries through the Arizona State Tax Credit Program? So there's a couple ways they can support us. Uh, the first way is through the foster care tax credit. GAP Ministry qualifies for that, and they'll be able to find us on the state um a site where it lists those registered organizations under the foster care tax credit, and that's up to $1,000 uh, for a married couple. And then our uh, sister organization, which is under the umbrella family of uh, GAP, is um, a Miracle Center, and they also qualify for the charitable tax credit. 
So you could actually give to Gap up to eighteen hundred dollars, eight hundred dollars for the charitable and a thousand dollars for the uh, foster care tax credit, and it all goes to benefit all the programs and um, things that we do in our community. So I got to talk to my CPA. Um, Absolutely. We're talking about homelessness today and next week. What part of GAP's work involves homeless kids and their families? So right now we're uh, uh, engaged in actually revamping what we used to call uh, our second chance or our training program. Uh, we'll be rebranding it starting in um, April. It's going to called, be called Career Plus, and it really is going to focus a holistic view and approach to workforce development from kids aging out of foster care uh, to families that were engaged in foster care to people within the community that uh, are underemployed or not employed. Uh, And that also includes the homeless population. We're working with several uh, other nonprofits who uh, work very, very closely with the homeless population. And we're engaging in a partnership over this year to bring a real uh, solid, holistic workforce development program to those that want to be employed, but maybe have um, not a skill that's employable or they have life issues that need dealt with. And we're going to be doing both of those things. We're going to be helping them develop skills from culinary to auto mechanics to warehouse to retail to construction trades to computer engineering, uh, even the medical field, as well as helping them deal with the, the destructive cycles in life that have just seem to pull them back every time they feel like they take one step forward they take two steps backwards and we want to deal with those issues with people as well to help them be successful and those are the trades that exactly are the ones that uh, oftentimes are most in high demand as well wouldn't you agree greg oh absolutely and some of those trades pay very very good uh we're talking about better than uh average employment and so there's real opportunity for those that uh, want to make a change in life and want to deal with life issues. Uh, there's just so many people that are out there in the community that want to help. And we're excited about the partnerships that we're going to are developing this year to bring a real change to workforce development in our community. So one of the one of the really great successes of Gap Ministries over the years in workforce training has been the culinary program, and there's tons of your graduates who are uh, in that field. Um, you had hoped. I'm 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 hopefully trying to prop up uh, the uh, the uh, promotion here for for a capital gift uh, to the culinary kitchen and the whole training um, uh, infrastructure at at the campus of Hope. So. You're, you're currently, your culinary program is off-site, correct? I think that's what TN explained to me, right? That is correct. It's in our old uh, facility. Uh, we've been having a struggle with the city of Tucson with uh, development plans and just the, the kind of nightmare that it is right now to deal with uh, the city from a building standpoint. And I, I, I'm not trying to blame them or speak to derogatory about them. It's just the way it is. If you're trying to get a building permit or any type of development going, and the city of Tucson is just really, really difficult at this time. And so it's really postponed things. We thought we'd have the kitchen at least started by this point, And we're probably two, two and a half years away for that kitchen landing in its pers- uh, uh, permanent home. But it, it's costing just tens of thousands of dollars just to do what the city requires to create those development plans. So 
it's going to cost probably a million dollars plus to do wow. our, our kitchen and our training center uh, on our campus. And so we're really looking for people who want to partner with us in this uh, uh, endeavor to really shore up our workforce in Tucson. And even if you're not interested in culinary, that whole that whole model that we're developing with the partnerships of others uh, is really holistic. So even though you're supporting maybe the kitchen, it actually supports training throughout our whole community. So it's a win-win-win for our community. So there's no way then, at least appears at this time, for there to be some sort of an expedited process or some sort of a way to get waivers in order to do the training that you're that you're wanting and really needing to do uh, to get more people into the culinary trades. Because, I mean, look, you, you go to restaurants today, it's still, it's a problem because there just aren't enough people who want to work in, in the kitchens, right? You're, you're exactly right. They're, they're starving for employees just like almost every industry. And, yeah, we tried that uh, uh, bleeding heart uh, type uh, approach with the city, and they have their policies and procedures, and they have... Uh, building codes that they feel like they have to follow. So we are going to try to reach out to our city councilmen and just talk uh, with them and see if there's anything we can do to expedite the process. But in the meantime, you know, we're looking for another home for it to sit because we do have to move out of the home that uh, the kitchen sits currently. So uh, those that uh, um, may know of a place or uh, have some insights or inside track, we're looking for uh, another place for that kitchen to land. And we're looking at other restaurants that have been out of business. And so there's possibilities out there, and uh, we're exploring them because this is not just a short-term thing. We're talking now a couple years landing spot where this kitchen needs to be. Mm. So our training can continue. And it's not only just the training. It's that training program also feeds 800 meals a day to low-income kids uh, in neighborhoods. So it's really important that or, um, program continues, not just from the training aspect, but all the mouse that feeds on a daily basis. Greg, so our, our listeners to this show aren't just here in Tucson. They can listen worldwide, you know, over over the internet, and they do. Um, if if a um, if an entrepreneurial type of a person or somebody who's interested in in charitable giving for the type of work that Gap is involved in to do these capital projects that are so, so vital to the success of the organization, how would they make that connection to you and to um, GAP Ministries? Well, they can uh, obviously go to our website and get more information, but feel free to call the office. I am talking with people uh, on a regular basis, A, how to engage with us, but how can we engage with them particularly if they're not in Tucson, how can we help them? We really believe this model that is being developed and it will launch in April is actually a model. I had one of the significant nonprofit leaders in town. If I had mentioned him, your listeners would probably know him, but I don't feel like I can do that. He said this is a model that he's not seen as he's looked at workforce development across the nation. He believes this is duplicatable and that this will be something that will, can sweep our nation as far as a holistic approach to the homeless issue and to workforce development. Mm. Well, we're having a a, a expert on uh, homelessness and cures for homelessness, homelessness, Dr. Robert Marbit, on in just a few minutes. And uh, um, I want to make sure that, that, you know, we make that connection. So, again, uh, 
what's the 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 web address for Gap Ministries and how what's the phone number for people to call you? So you can go out on the web at gapmin g a p m i n dot com, or you can call our offices at five two zero eight seven seven eight zero seven seven, and that's eight seven seven eight zero seven seven. Well, blessings to you, Greg, and all the Gap Miracle workers, uh, Ab and I. We all support you, our listeners also. Um, and friends, I can tell you that Greg and his team make miracles happen every day. Um, I hope you will help them out. Uh, they stretch every dollar, every donor dollar, as far as it will go. You agree with that. You guys are, are stretching it to the, to the nth degree. That's for sure. That's all for right. sure. And Bruce, we sure appreciate you and all the support you've been to us. You're one of our champions, and we uh, sure appreciate well, it. Well, you guys are the champs, and I appreciate everything that you do. So I had a Tian and your and your wife and, and the whole uh, Gap family there. All right. Thanks. Have a great uh, weekend, guys. All right. And thank all you. all the listeners. All right. You bet. Bye-bye. Thank you. Mr. Producer, let's go to our first break. Oh, that's Eb. I don't want to step that's on okay. you, Eb. Go ahead and step no, on No, no, go ahead. Hey, Mr. Producer, let's go to our first break. You're listening to Inside Track on KVOI, Trusted Local News and Talk. When we return, we'll speak with Dr. Robert Marbet, one of the America's foremost experts of affordable housing. This is a major issue throughout America and part one of a two-part discussion to be extended into next week's show. Dr. Marbet will be spending the balance of the show with us today. No station flipping. We'll be right back. I'm proud to welcome my good friends at Tucson Iron and Metal Retail to Inside Track as an advertiser. Jamie Kipper and her staff are conservation experts. They sell round and square steel tubing, metal plate and roofing materials, as well as new and used steel, aluminum, and stainless steel to ranchers, artists, interior designers, roofers, and do-it-yourselfers, just like all of the listeners here. Tucson Iron and Metal Retail is open Monday through Fridays, 8 a.m. to 4.30 p.m., and Saturdays, 8 a.m. to noon. Tucson Iron and Steel Retail, 701 East 36th Street. Call 520-209-1576 or go to TucsonIronRetail.com. And when you do call, mention this ad and receive an additional 10% discount on their already great prices. Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up with science. You mean you don't use a shoe? No, we use the latest in technology and innovation to eliminate bugs, termites, weeds, and more. No spray cans and lighters? None of that. Only solutions that target insect biology, using chemistry to help protect the environment, people, and their pets. Huh. Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up. Call 886-3029 or visit EssentialPest.com. This is Ed Wilkinson of Wilkinson Wealth Management reminding you that every good and excellent thing stands moment by moment on the razor's edge of danger and must be fought for, including getting out of debt, building your wealth, and protecting your God-given right. We manage money for gun owners. Let us help you retire comfortably and remain comfortably retired. Call me at 777-1911 or wilkinsonwealthmgmt.com. Welcome back to Inside Track. We invite you to call in to 520-790-2040 on the Tucson Iron and Metal Live line uh, during today's chat and let um, 
My goodness, I, I I blew that. I should have put the Wilkinson live line uh, and let producer Tom know if you have a relevant question uh, for our guest, Dr. Robert Marbit. As mentioned previously, we intend to cover root causes and issues of American homelessness over the next two shows, a growing problem across the country and a crisis in Tucson at this time. Today we're speaking with one of America's leading experts on the topic and next week with a mayor of a California small city who's being bullied by the state to talk about state HUD housing being forced on cities without any land even existing for new housing. So our guest, Dr. Robert Marbot, uh, has consulted with more communities and organizations on issues of homelessness, I think, than anybody in the United States. This is a great thing to be called. He's a disruptor who understands that the status quo approaches have not been working and there is urgent need to help communities change how they address homelessness in order to successfully reduce homelessness. Now, Robert is with the Discovery Institute, and for our regular listeners, you may remember uh, the Discovery Institute. Um, he's the second guest we've had on from uh, Discovery. We had uh, fellow scholar uh, Scott Powell on the show previously, actually two or three times, uh, and we know the quality of this group. Welcome to Inside Track, Dr. Marbit. Thank you so much for having us. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Let's uh, let's first define exactly what your focus of interest is, and maybe it's all of the above. Is it rising costs of homes and apartment rents, or is it about those people who want to live on the streets and 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 you know how and how their criminal and social health issues you know affect housing or both? Um, kind of where where do you where do you plug in, or do you plug in in all those areas? It, it, homelessness is is in all those areas. Uh, but I think it's also important to focus on what homelessness is and what it's not. And the number one cause of homelessness for most people, not, now you can find a one or 2% margin on the, uh, on the far extremes, but, but about 75% of the homelessness that you see in Tucson and Phoenix, and I've been, I've been in your area four times in the last six months, mm is untreated mental illness with substance use, uh, co-presenting substance use. And in most cases, it's not recreational drug use, it's self-medicating because the mental illness was never treated. And then at some point you take drugs for so long, it becomes a recreational habit. Maybe not a recreational, probably not the right word. Way of life? Definitely an ongoing habit. A way of life sort of thing? Yep, a, a way of life. So the way homelessness has been handled in Tucson is when a national uh, elected official or political figure comes in, uh, they simply remove all of the homeless camps uh, that exist on the route from the airport to wherever it is they're speaking. Um, homelessness is a big political football today. Lots of talk, many ideas, lots of bluster and promises. Uh, but Robert, it seems like there's seemingly no real answers. You've previously talked about and developed seven guiding principles of homeless, transforma- tr- homeless transformation. Talk about those principles, please. And I came up with these about 15, 20 years ago, long before I was ever at the White House, is the homelessness are. And, and what they basically say is you, you focus on the root cause, you don't warehouse, and you get people into treatment. That that that's 
as simple as you can make it. What, what we know for sure, you can get good treatment in a Salvation Army and a Union Rescue Mission now called the CityGate Network. There's some independents that do a good job in that area. And we know we can get people out of homelessness. There's several communities across the country that have gone from sort of pandemic levels almost to nothing. And you never get to zero, but you can dramatically reduce it. Uh, when I work with clients, I generally feel that you can get a 70% reduction by just changing how you address it. And, and so you have to have accountability, you have to have treatment. And what I know, and as a metaphysical certainty, if you allow people to hang out in a park bench or on the street or in the back alleys, you get no recovery. Nobody will ever get out of homelessness just letting you stay there and, quote, that's your civil rights, civil liberty. Likewise, if you arrest everybody and throw people in jail, the judges let you out in six, seven, eight hours. That doesn't work either. What works is when you get people into treatment. Robert, tell us, I didn't know that you've been to Tucson and Phoenix recently. What, what are your observations, having been here and in Phoenix as well, um, about where we are in, in the homeless sort of crisis? I mean, are, are we ground zero? Are we, you know, are, is there anything we're doing right? Are there things that we're doing wrong? Talk about that here in Tucson per se, if you, if you have the ability to conjecture on, on what you saw here. There are elements of some good things going on. Uh, you have a few operations around the state that are doing good things, uh, but those are isolated like oasises. They're siloed. They're on their own. Nobody's helping them. In fact, they get criticized uh, often, uh, but they're, they're the only people actually reducing homelessness. Statewide, what you have now is a mess, and it's getting worse. And like, you know, some parts of Phoenix that that's gotten written about more lately, they're in a place that they're going to be like San Francisco or Los Angeles or Sacramento in a matter of two or three years here if they don't make a dramatic change. On Tucson, you're a little bit better than Phoenix, but not much better. And you're on your way uh, to probably five years out, if you don't dramatically, and I mean the royal you, if you don't dramatically make a change in, in Tucson, you're going to be looking like uh, what L.A. looked like maybe three or four years ago, and pretty quickly you'll be looking like where San Francisco is now. And th this idea that you don't engage people into treatment and you let people do drugs on the street, commit petty crime, live on the street and say, well, that's what we got going. That's the best we can do or because we don't want to offend people. We don't want to engage the problem that it, it, or do band-aids like your whack-a-mole, you know, where you, like you said, clear, clear everybody off the street when a, a major official comes in from Washington and then it goes right back to where it was. If you don't make those changes now when it's doable in three or four years in central Arizona, you're going to get to the point where you can't afford the solution that you'll need to do. Eb here. Um, you know, you had mentioned something about 70% reduction that you can affect. How long does it take to do that? 
It, it generally, um, I've been in some places that we've been able to reduce that in, in under six months. You know, wow. you, you got to first get real good on your numbers. You got to do really good empirical research. You got to look at the national best practice and you can get that plan done in about three, four, five months, depending on uh, the uniqueness of a community. And then it takes about six weeks to set up what you need to do and then you implement. So in most places, we've been able to get that 70% reduction from the day I hit the ground uh, within six months. Um, and what's even more cool than how fast you can do it is like in San Antonio, Fort Smith, Arkansas, you know, I'm giving you a big city and a small rural community and everything in between. The people who do do this right have been able to keep a reduction down. You know, San Antonio's reduction is that we're in year 14 of an 85% street reduction from all the downtown, everything in downtown, complete 85% sustained for 14 years now. I would say that's and a trend. Can, and you compare that to Austin, who actually had less of a problem than, than San Antonio. Same demographic right down the street, sort of like Tucson, Phoenix. You know, and, and San Antonio did it a very different way than, than Austin did. And candidly, what Phoenix and Tucson are doing is a lot like what Austin's doing now. And so if you don't make that change, and, you, and there are a lot of components I'm sure we'll get into it, but if you don't make that change, you lose control of your city. If, if anybody wants to know what the future of America homelessness is, go spend a half a day in San Francisco, go to Willow Street, go in front of City Hall, go in front of the federal courthouse, and you'll just see a city that's lost. It's like the Walking Zombies movie, uh, and it's horrific. And you're sort of like, do you want to lose your city or do you want to save your city? Robert, let's let's just take a pause real quick. We need to take our bottom of the hour break. Mr. Producer, let's take the break now. When we return, we'll continue our chat with Dr. Robert Marbet. You're listening to Inside Track, trusted local news and talk on KVOI. We'll be right back. Remember, no flipping. Customers come first at Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. What other kind of customers do you have? So our biggest customers are actually like ranchers and people from outside of the Tucson area. They're buying a lot of square tubing. They're buying a lot of stuff for their ranch to close off fences. We'll sell anything from 10 feet to 10,000 feet to somebody that comes in because we have new steel and surplus steel from steel mills. The reason we're able to get such good pricing on some of this stuff is A, we sell scrap to the mill. So... Uh, we have a relationship there and then we can buy material what they're making bringing it back and so we save on freight and we have relationships for years with them so i think that's really our niche market we'll sell whatever you need tucson iron and metal surplus call 209-1579 stop by the yard 701 east 36th street open monday through saturday Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up with science. You mean you don't use a shoe? (sighs) No, we use the latest in technology and innovation to eliminate bugs, termites, weeds, and more. No spray cans and lighters? None of that. Only solutions that target insect biology, using chemistry to help protect the environment, people, and their pets. Huh. Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up. Call 886-3029 or visit EssentialPest.com. 
This is Eb Wilkinson of Wilkinson Wealth Management. Are you letting rising inflation interfere with your ammo budget? Don't do that. Let us show you how to buy the same goods and services 20 years from now as you can today. We manage money for gun owners and we can guide you to retire comfortably and remain comfortably retired. Call me, Eb Wilkinson, at 777-1911 or WilkinsonWealthMGMT.com. Welcome back to Inside Track. We're uh, speaking with our special guest, Dr. Robert Marbit, about affordable housing and homelessness. If you have a question or comment relevant to our discussion today, please call into the Wilkinson Wealth Management Live Line at 520-790-2040. We have a call for you, uh, Dr. Marbit. It's uh, Gary from Bisbee. Uh, Gary, go ahead. Yes, I uh, wanted to see if there was a way of putting together uh, action and reaction of the things that the Democrat Party have done, uh, starting first with La Raza and the effects that that had going forward to our uh, your mayor going for a sanctuary city and how the effects of that has made and on and on to where you have a presentation of these are real facts and real results of resulting from such things. Of oh, actions philosophy. have consequences, right? Exactly, and uh, just to push it into their face. Uh, Dr. Marbot, your comment. Thanks, uh, Gary. And and what I try to do when when we get into homelessness is there's some communities where are making improvement that are, are more often not led by the conservative side. Most of the improvements in America right now where, where you see actual real reduction, dramatic, sustained reduction, are being led by uh, either independent, sort of conservative-ish, uh, middle-of-the-road, common-sense uh, electeds, in some place they're nonpartisan, or right-of-center uh, places. Uh, very few of the far-left cities are making any improvement, and, and I say very few. But there's some notable examples of, of sort of Democrat left. Uh, think of Mayor McAdams up in New York. He, he is no conservative. I mean, he, he, he may be middle of the road, slightly middle of the road. But a lot of what he's now starting to do on homelessness is really making sense. It's been We've been talking about it at Discovery Institute for, for years on our fixed homelessness program. And he's starting to do it. Not not everything. Uh, we don't agree with everything he's doing on homelessness, but he has made he's ch- he's changed the direction of the New York ship, and is starting to make the change and starting to do some really really good things. And so in San Antonio, which uh, when I was on uh, city council uh, back oh, about 20 years ago, and I was mayor pro tem. We only had two conservatives out of 11 people on city council. So we had a pretty left of center and such. But the San Antonio City Council, through multiple councils over, over almost now two decades, said homelessness is going to be an issue that we agree on, and we're going to work in the common sense middle, and we're going to make a difference. And so in San Antonio's case, We've had liberals and conservatives realize what you got to do is to focus on treatment and recovery. 
and not focus on letting people just hang out in park benches and parks. And so um, I, I've always had a goal of trying to make homelessness not a partisan issue, but the reality of the harm reduction movement, that sort of far, far extreme left that says you can shoot up and we're going to give you safe needles, we're going to give you foil, we're going to get the vapor, we'll give you all your supplies, we'll give you an area to go shoot up and get high and smoke up. It's just crazy to me. And, and I will work with anybody left, right, or center, who wants to make uh, getting recovery. To me, I think we need to make recovery easy to get, and we need to make it hard to get high. And I really think it's that simple. And we should be focused on every possible way to get people treatment who want to get treatment, and we should not be making it easy for people to go off and get high, because once you get high, that then starts to cause damage, you know, physiological damage to the individual. It damages the neighborhood, and then it, it will quickly get into the crime cycle at some point in a very quick way. Hey, Gary, thanks for your call. Um, before I go to my next question, you talk about making it easy to get treatment, making it hard to get high. That's all well and good, but what's it cost to do that? I realize that it's more expensive if we don't, but what does it cost to do that? Well, the, the way we look at it is you're going to save money because right now, the, the if you talk to most people in an emergency room, which is the most expensive place of delivery of a medical service, and it's generally often with somebody who has no insurance and no primary care, we're already wasting billions of dollars and inside just emergency rooms. Then we're wasting uh, billions of dollars inside the criminal justice system. And, and, and we've not been able to look at every, uh, every jail in the country, but the jails that have brought us in and said, please give a you know, scrub down, let's look at our numbers, let's look at it. Everywhere we've done that, we, we did actually a, a very uh, sort of scientific study about eight years ago in three different jails, small, medium, and large in, in Florida. And we found that 20 to 25 percent of the jail population is made up of people experiencing homelessness. And we're now spending 135 145 $155 a day on those individuals. That was eight years ago dollars. And so we know you can get treatment programs uh, around the country for under $100 a day. So would you rather have, be spending more money and getting no benefit, or would you rather be spending less money and getting benefit? Will everybody recover? Absolutely no. I, I'm not Pollyannish. I don't think that happens. But if you can target a 50% decrease in, in addiction and a 75% uh, decrease in homelessness, think about the savings you'll have at the ER, the criminal justice system, the policing level, the courts level, and imagine the reduction of the damage we do to the community fabric. And most importantly, think about what we do for the individual who now goes from uh, sort of a horrible, sad lifestyle to now becoming a taxpayer of a community. And so I'm at a point where if, all you got to do is look at San Francisco and see what happens when you don't do it. That that's the, should be everybody's last chapter 
in any book. Go live in, go, not live, go, go to San Francisco for four hours. And that was what will show you if you don't do anything. So let's take a look at Tucson. Many politicians here in Tucson and Pima County believe in housing first policies. You've discussed eliminating housing first and adopted housing plus. Talk about the problems with the housing first and tell us what makes housing plus a superior program to adopt. So let's talk about what a lot of people don't know what housing first is. According to the federal government, and I, I worked at White House, I've now worked in three different administrations. And housing first is simply we give you a voucher if you present yourself as homeless. So you come to an agency or a government agency or a nonprofit on behalf of the local government. You say, I've been experiencing homelessness. You show, you know, you don't have to show much. And then in return, they give you a free voucher to go live somewhere. No treatment, no recovery, no accountability, no visibility, you know, no, no anything. And think about if you get a Pell Grant as a college student, you have to attend class 88.5% of the time. You have to have a 2.0 GPA. You have to finish in a certain period of time. We also do that with TANF, another social welfare program. We do that in unemployment insurance. You have to look for a job and go. And, and none of those programs are perfect. I, I, I would never be the first to say that. But they at least have some built-in accountability. But in Housing First, we just give you a voucher with no strings attached. And if you don't go into treatment, you're not going to get out of the problem of homelessness. The way I like to say it is you had housing first, then you lost it because you didn't have a job, you had an addiction and you had untreated mental illness and you lost your housing first. So why would we give you a house a second time? It's like the rent a car. If we give you a house a second time, a housing voucher a second time, when you don't have any skin in the game, are you going to take better care of it the second time when you lost it the first time? You know, do you take care of your car better or a rent a car better? You know, it's that type of deal. And so what Housing Plus does, which is that we have a phenomenal congressman from Kentucky, a Republican named Andy Barr, who's just this amazing yep. gentleman. I'm, a, I'm, I'm and, familiar with him. And he's amazing. And, and he simply says, every time you give a voucher away, we have to have some required treatment program that goes with it in order to help a large percentage of people to get out of homelessness rather than just keep giving a voucher and a voucher and a voucher and, and literally running out of money if you take that approach. So, um, oh, Eb has another question. Go ahead. Eb. Let me do a follow-up with that. Um, living here in Tucson, we might be skewed as compared to other areas, but do you have any numbers as a percentage what the homelessness is for veterans out there versus other people or uh, the illegal aliens that are here? You know, we're right on the border. We're, we're getting them. So uh, let, let's break those uh, into different groups. So on the veteran side, uh, that was a tremendous problem about 15 years ago, say five years into Iraq and Afghanistan and the global war on terror, GWAT. And so 
when you had those three things going, you were starting to really see some bounces in, uh, in homelessness. And you had it both in terms of the most recent wars, but also going back, you were still getting the largest share of street-level homelessness was coming from Vietnam-era veterans. And, and everybody realized that was a problem. Uh, and it was, again, post-traumatic stress that wasn't getting treated. In essence, mental illness. That's the largest part of what was going on there. And the federal government finally came together. Republicans and Democrats all got together and said, we can't do this for our veterans. So they really got into what was called a VASH voucher, which was a combination of a housing voucher with very, very robust services for mental health and substance abuse. And they've dramatically reduced the street-level homeless of veterans. In most cities I work, work in, that number is under 10% on the street now, whereas in some communities that was up to um, the majority of the people experiencing homeless. So that's one of the areas of success, that you can really reduce that. Have we fixed it? No. Uh, do we have work to do? Yes. But it's a dramatic improvement of where we were 15 years ago. And that's an example of Housing Plus. You match the voucher with the treatment and you do them together simultaneously and they're interconnected. Let's go on to something else. In some ways, homelessness is kind of like mental illness. Some people suffer from it. Others really enjoy it. For the people that want to live on the street, how big of a percentage is that? And what do you do? And what do you, good point, Bruce, what do you do? Yeah, and and the people who choose that lifestyle, and there's an absolute there, that's generally about, and and we have some ways we measure it, and and, and in every community, and I haven't worked in, I've worked in hundreds of communities, but I haven't worked in every one. And the lowest we've ever seen that number is about 14%, and the highest we've ever seen that number is about 29%. And so, you know, call it a fourth, a fifth. Uh, That's a big number. And, and it, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and it's a problem. But the way I take it, I actually take it in the reverse. I want to work on the 75% today who want to get off the street, who never wanted to be on the street, who yeah. did not choose that as a lifestyle. And let's work on getting those folks Great off point. the street. That's why... In a, in a San Antonio model, a Fort Smith, Arkansas model, that's why you get that 85% reduction. Rather than focusing on the outlier of choice, you focus on the people who want treatment today and you get that set up. That's how you can move that reduction fast. Then you start working on those individuals. Now, regardless of where you are on the philosophical spectrum, we have a law that's called Martin versus Boise, uh, which is the federal lawsuit that's sort of the controlling lawsuit of the land now. It's in out of the Ninth Circuit out of San Francisco, but the Supreme Court chose to let it stand. And that's an important thing to understand. The Supreme Court could have overheard it, could have reversed it in 2019, and chose not to reverse it. Even though it was a conservative court, they chose to let it stand. So Boise versus uh, Martin versus Boise is the lawsuit, and, and it has a lot of parts to it. But to make it very simplified, is a state, a community, a city, a county cannot 
engage a person on the street in terms of enforcement unless you have more beds than you have heads and unless you have a better place to take your person. So whether you like it or not, whether you agree with it philosophically or not, that is the law of the land currently. And unless the court makes a change, which they don't seem so far that they want to, in order to deal with that one-fourth, one-fifth, you have to have plenty of beds and you have to have plenty of treatment services. And if you have both, then you meet the Martin versus Boise standard and you can do something. Likewise, if you're a community that's underserved, either in terms of volume of beds or quality of beds or services, there's nothing you can do about it. There's literally nothing a city can do until they become compliant to Martin versus Boise. Mm. Uh, Dr. We're, listeners, we're talking to Robert Marbot. He is uh, with the Discovery Institute. Uh, the topic is homelessness. And uh, um, in as part of my show prep, Robert, I did a fair amount of research on you and, and the things that you've been doing and talking about. And one of the things that we believe in here uh, in, in Tucson on this show, Inside Track, and the other shows on this, uh, this ch- uh, channel is about faith-based sort of approaches to problems. Uh, You've talked about a faith-based approach to the problem, and also you're involved in a project, I think, in San Antonio called Haven of Hope. Um, Tell us about, you know, how faith is engaging uh, to help um, eliminate and and reduce uh, homelessness and some of the problems we've been discussing. When when we were at the when I was at the White House, I spent a lot of time working with Dr. Carson while he was Secretary of HUD, and, and what a man of faith uh, he yeah. is! He's just unbelievable, and he always reminded every time he and I did a joint presentation or talked or worked with the group, he would always start by saying, uh, "For the first seventy-five percent of America's history, the faith community of all types took care of homelessness in America." HUD, HUD wasn't even formed yet, you know, until about the 80% mark of the history of time length of our country. So long before the federal government thought they should come in and help, uh, the faith community had been doing this from the get-go, pre-our country becoming our country. And, and so the faith community uh, provides roughly 75% of the beds in most communities. Some communities, that number gets up to 90% and services. And in the infinite wisdom of some of the people in Washington came along and said, not only do we not want to have the faith community involved anymore, we're going to make it nearly impossible for them to be involved. So not only are we not going to support you, we're actually going to make it hard for you to do your job and give you all these rules and regulations and guidelines. I think the government at all levels, this problem has gotten so big, we need everybody's help. If we're going to really solve this, we need everybody working together. And we shouldn't be trying to make faith-based groups pariahs. We should be embracing faith-based groups because they've done it a really long time. And by the way, they're really good at it. Are they the only solution? Uh, no. But they, in most communities, they're the largest portion of the volume of services being done. Why shouldn't we embrace? Why shouldn't we help? Why shouldn't we do that? You know, we've talked a lot about San Antonio in this call, 
Haven for Hope is is the flagship there. 198 agencies work on one campus. They're faith-based, faith-inspired, secular. We have federal government, state government, local government. We have non-governmental agencies all working together to work on a problem. That's how you get an 85% reduction for 14 years. But you will never get a reduction in your community if you attack the faith-based community. If you don't embrace the faith-based community who does a great job in this and has the volume and capacity, you're never going to get there. And so when you have these far-left mayors attacking uh, the CityGate Network, the Salvation Army, I can guarantee you that community is in a disaster and is going to go over the cliff in terms of homelessness. Just look at San Francisco. So um, I want to change uh, focus just a little bit. We had a caller come in uh, and wants me to ask a question. So there are people on fixed incomes and others that, you know, they're not able to keep up with the inflation, uh, you know, of, of rental housing and, and for sale housing. I'm a principal in a company who's building a large affordable project, uh, apartment project in San Antonio. Uh, you may know about where I'm talking about Petranco Road and SH-211. Uh, Texas has developed some very innovative ideas to provide cost-effective market rate affordable housing for working families uh, with various incentives to to make building new quality projects viable. Are you familiar with that program? Uh, Yes, I'm very familiar with with that. And so I don't want to interrupt the question, but I am familiar. Yeah. So I, I, I guess, you know, there there are things that that, you know, can be done positively, you know, within government uh, to actually make that kind of, of a difference, not just for those people who are homeless, but people who might be homeless, uh, you know, because they can't afford the rising the, the rising tide of, of, of rents and prices on homes. And uh Again, it seems like you folks in Texas are are kind of on the leading edge of it, and it's a hell of a lot easier to forgive uh, real estate taxes uh, on a partial basis uh, than to um, you know be building uh, government sponsored, uh, government paid for public housing for people. Do you agree with that? So you got. But that's has like five or six layers to it. Yeah, so, I know, I know. I, know. I, I, I ask questions like that, and we, yeah, and we so got and we got about three minutes to go. Okay, so let's peel the onion back real quick on that. Hit hit two of the key things. First off, adult level homelessness is different than family level homelessness. Right. Adult level homelessness, we statistically know three fourths of that is directly tied to untreated mental illness and substance use. Families and children, very different issue, very economically driven, very sensitive to rental rates and such. And when I was at the White House, Governor Newsom asked me to give him 50,000 more vouchers. And I asked him in California, I said, I'd be willing to go try to find you 50,000 vouchers if you will forgive all the costs of the, the city and county and state costs that it costs to build a place. And in California, in most communities, it costs over $125,000 of building fees, permits, government yep. regulation to build a unit before you even talk about the wood, the architecture, right, right. the plumbing, and such. And so if local communities really want to get serious about affordable housing, 
they have to stop putting all these fees and platting fees and permit fees and environmental impact fees. Uh, I was working on a project in California, and I know we don't have a lot of time, that was being held up because 22 miles away was an environmental impact thing that we had to do that we were dozens of miles away from, but we had to do. And I'm like, all that does is add 40 or 50,000 costs to your project per unit. Right. And it has nothing to do with it. So unless you start changing the fees at the local level and start dropping the regulation on things that aren't about safety and quality, that's the only way to make housing affordable. Dr. Robert Marbot, that's going to do it for us today. Uh, we're at the end of our time. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, tell our <laughs> listeners quickly one more time how they can access your work. Yeah, go to fixhomelessness.org, one word, or Discovery Institute, and then navigate to the homelessness page, and you'll get a lot of information on what we're working on. Let's continue to reconnect frequently down the road to track the progress that you're making. Best of luck to you. Insiders, be sure to check out Dr. Robert Marbot at the Discovery Institute at the Center on Wealth and Poverty. Also check out my Facebook and Twitter accounts for the latest news and my views on the news. All of our Inside Track episodes are available at Apple Podcasts and on the KVOI website. Until next week for Inside Track, this is Bruce Ash and Eb Wilkinson. Wishing you all a very pleasant good afternoon. See you again in 167 hours when we'll continue our focus on the right answers to help cure homelessness and more affordable housing in America. Have a great day. Customers come first at Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. A lot of the, the cities and the counties around have initiatives for artists. I think we're one of the premier artist suppliers for steel. First Saturday of every month, you can come down early and actually go through the scrapyard across the street. It's seven acres of metal. You can walk through with our people and pick out what you want. It's always interesting to see what the artists have done. We've done uh, actually a couple projects with the U of A engineering department and music department where the engineering music students came down together. They had to pick something out of the scrap and uh, they had to build an instrument. And we have one of those in front of the plant. Some really cool things come out of the scrap. Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. Call 209-1579. Stop by the yard. 701 East 36th Street. Open Monday through Saturday. This is Ed Wilkinson of Wilkinson Wealth Management reminding you that every good and excellent thing stands moment by moment on the razor's edge of danger and must be fought for, including getting out of debt, building your wealth, and protecting your God-given right. We manage money for gun owners. Let us help you retire comfortably and remain comfortably retired. Call me at 777-1911 or wilkinsonwealthmgmt.com.